we are in a place in Sefer Shoftim where the the generals. I'm going to screen share. I'm going to screen share. Okay. 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 We're in a place where the the cycle of Shoftim, which we talked about, the sh- cycle of Shoftim goes like this: the uh, the children of Israel sin. Hashem punishes them through their enemies. And Israel cries to Hashem. Hashem sends a judge to save save them, and there's peace optimally for 40 years. So back in chapter 10, we saw that the cycle has broken down. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was tired of this uh, endless round of Balagan with the Jews. And he says to them that it has to has to stop. And the, the Pasuk there says, uh, right, but Tiktsarnaf Shobam Yisrael, the God was sort of fed up with the trouble of the Jews. And after the story of Avimelech and the story of this sort of uh, evil guy taking over, we have this period of chapters 10 where we see that the, the cycle is breaking down and we have the, um, and we have the story of Yiftach. So the story of Yiftach and the story of Shimshon are the two shoftim that don't actually fit the general mold of the of the cycle. And the story of Yiftach is sort of, you know, in a certain sense, it actually does go by the cycle. There is a, a certain victory over the enemy, and then we have the the um, um, the period of, of quiet doesn't quite happen. We get in between Shoftim. We don't ever get that phrase. But then when we get to the story of Shimshon, we really we really have a problem because Shimshon, we'll, we'll take a look at this. Shimshon's story is radically different than any other Shofet story. So number one, right, it starts off Pasuk Aleph now. I, I usually break down the paraphrase, Shoftim chapter 13. But the truth of the matter is, it's all one narrative. It's one long story. Pasuk Alam introduces the, the idea of the cycle here and how that fits in. And then we have basically one story. It's a very uh, interesting story. But Pasuk Aleph, we see by Yosifu B'nai Yisrael, So we have this. Let's go over here. This is clearer. Okay. The children of Israel continued to do evil in the eyes of God, and God gave them over to the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So we see here, very nice, right? They continue doing evil eyes of Hashem. That's the beginning of a cycle. And God gives them over to the Philistines for 40 years. And that's the second part of the cycle. But we notice here that we have the 40 years that's generally this peace of the cycle. And now we have the 40 years as the enslavement and the oppression of the Philistines. So right away, there's a sort of jarring note, like this is not exactly 
the way it's supposed to be. This is not exactly going to follow the plan. So that's number one. Stories of Yiftach and Shimshon are on the downside of Sefer Shoftim, and Shimshon's story is arguably the most um, difficult to work with. On the other hand, it's a, it's very it's very very interesting. Okay, so number one, I want to just talk about the the whole idea of Shimshon, which everybody knows, right? Everybody knows the. Uh, the idea of Shimshon and the hair and everything else. And I, I find very interesting in the Tanakh, I think that there are certain prototypes of modern day ideas that come straight from the Tanakh. And I think that the, the Superman myth comes straight from Shimshon. All the ideas that go, go back to Greek mythology, Achilles, right? The idea of having a superhero with superpowers, but they have one, you know, you know, one thing, one spot that's uh that's where you can overpower them. And the in the case of Superman, of course, it's kryptonite. So by the way, Superman, I believe that the original comic was created by Jews, which is an interesting thing in and of itself. Okay, so let's talk about um, the idea of the Nazir. I, I'd like to start with that. Because Shimshon is a Nazir. We have not really seen a Nazir before. What we should know is that this is the this chapter is the Haftorah for Parshas Nasa. So let's take a look at the Lachas of a Nazir. Okay, here is a drop, slow. Okay, this is Parshas Nasso from uh, Bamidbar. And here it says, When, tell the Jewish people, if a man or a woman makes a vow to become a Nazir, see a woman can also be a Nazir, and these are the three laws. If you follow the English, I, I, I numbered it for you. Number one, all products of grapes or wine, they can't have. That includes raisins, vinegar, anything that is produced from the grape. And number two, a razor should not pass over his head until the completion of the days of the vow of the Nazir, right? And number three, he shall not come near a dead person, his father, his mother, brother, sister, Right, the crown of Hashem, as it says, call Yemen Israel Kadosh Hashem. So the, the Chumash goes on with the different laws of the Nazir and the, the carbon has to make afterwards, which is actually very interesting because um, the Gemara has a whole discussion of why why they have to bring the Chatas. Because what is exactly the sin, a Chatas? Because he's abstaining from wine, which he uh, he ought to be able to enjoy. The general idea of a nazir is that when he sees, and this comes right after the story of the sota and the parsha in Nasso, and when a person sees something that brings them down, so we have a certain principle here that's also very interesting for us that you see things that are bad for you, and I think today's world of of internet is something we really, really understand. You can see something in a second that's really, really bad for you. And so the antidote for that is this person becomes a nazir and takes upon himself extra stringencies and extra laws so that he'll be able to overcome this evil thing that he saw. 
The case of Shimshon is radically different. I'm going to show you here. Um, okay, this is the laws of Nazir from the Rambam. So if you take a look here, this is chapter three, the laws of Nazir, um, law 13. Shimshon lohaya Nazir gamor, sharei lo nadar b'nazir. Shimshon was not actually a Nazir that, as we see in the in the Chumash. The, the Malach made him separate from the unclean. What was his law? Very interestingly, the Nazirus of Shimshon is different than every other Nazirus because Shimshon was forbidden to have any product of the grape and he was forbidden to cut his hair. But a regular Nazir is not allowed to have contact with the dead. And that would actually be a problem for Shimshon because his job was to kill people from the Pushtim. So that wouldn't work. So you see that his category is very different. There's a note here um, in this book, which I found interesting. The free growth of the hair represented the Nazarite's consecration to God in the most visible form. The hair was the glory of the head. If the period of the vow is not specified, traditional law fixes it at 30 days. At the end of the period, the Nazarite appeared at the temple, made certain prescribed offerings, and shaped off his hair and burnt it. After this, he was again permitted to drink wine and return to ordinary life. Now, this part is also very interesting. A Nazir for life, a person who made a vow to be a Nazir for life, might cut his hair, his abundant hair, it says here, once a year. But a Nazar like Shimshon might never cut his hair, although he might defile himself by touching a corpse. No Nazirim are known in the medieval people, that period. In the Second Temple period, there are Nazirim. The Gemara talks about it. And as a matter of interest, there was a Nazir, I don't know, uh, 20, 30 years ago in Haifa. And uh, one of my students, I had um, older women, I taught a class in the, Amuna women, and one of them had the Nazir for dinner. Um, I forget his name. His name was Rev Cohen. There's pictures of him with like lots of hair, very interesting. So not so long ago, there was actually a Nazir amongst us living in Haifa. I think this woman felt very bad because she put out grape juice. <laughs> she got very nervous from that. Okay, now let's get back to the text. Okay, so now we understand what a Nazir is, and we'll take a look at the, the amazing story of Shimshon's parents. Chapter Shimshon is like the longest story of all the judges because it's it spans four chapters, and the first chapter is not really about Shimshon, but about his parents and um, how his uh, his birth comes about. So let's take a look here. Okay, and there was one man from Tsara. This is a place, um, if you actually go on the, the road to Ramat Beit Shemesh, you'll pass a sign for Tsara. This is the area. For the family of Dan, his name was Manoach, and his wife was barren and did not have children. Okay, so right away, you see, that's a little odd, because if she was barren, of course she didn't have children. So Mitsuda says here that it's Tosefet Bayur, it's just explaining it. Um, but the Malbim says, uh, and, and it seems logical to me, 
that a woman can become barren after having had children. And it's called today secondary infertility. And I know of such cases, they had a child and then they stopped for, for years. So uh, that's also a possibility. So let's take a look at the map for a second. First, I want to show you the general map here of the, 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 air, the area. Now, I want to show you that Don had a settlement. It's not clear here. In this map, you see Don up here. The story of how Don gets up there is in chapter 18. We have a few chapters to go before that. But really, the, the settlement of Don began in the Beit Shemesh area. <clears throat> so here you see... Um, uh, it's clear. It's clear on the other map. Let me show you. Okay, here. So this is the area of Yehuda. This is Yerushalayim. This is Hebron, and west of that we have Sara and Eshtaol, which are the places where um, Shimshon. The, the, between the two of them, this is the area where he was born. You see here. It says Dan. This, of course, this map is taken from the Dat Mikra, and we see here that. This area on the coast is Plishti area. The Plishtim had five principal cities. They were Ashdod, Ashkelon, Aza, Ekron, and Gat. We only see three on this map. But they had a um, government of each of the five cities had a governor, a uh, Seren, he was called, Samach Reish Nun, and they governed as a sort of confederacy. And... Um, you see that they're going to be a very great problem, especially for Don and a little bit for Yehuda, because that is the, the area that we're dealing with. Okay, let's go back to the text. Okay. Pasuk Gimel. Vayera malach Hashem el ha'isha v'yomre lehehine na'at akara v'lo yaladit v'harit yaladit bein. And the angel of God appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold now, you are barren, and you have not given birth, and you will become pregnant, and you will have a son. So it's kind of uh, um, just something to think about. The, the effect of such a, a pronouncement would be on a woman who is barren. This man appears to her, an angel of God, and he says, you are barren, you haven't had children, and you will become pregnant, you have a son. Tremendous, tremendous. Um, Sarah, tremendous news. But, but we have, uh, uh, I think maybe, you know what, let's go through the psukim of what the angel says and then we can break it down a little bit. Pasuk Dalit, Vata, and now, Hishamrina al Tishriyayin Vishthekhar, Baal And now he says, you must be careful. Do not drink wine or, or Shekhar, Shekhar is or aged wine, right? And don't eat anything that's unclean, impure. Okay, so in verses Bet through Hey, we have the, the news of the that the angel tells her. In Pasuk Hey, we will go through it because you, you will be pregnant. We'll talk about this word in a minute, inahara, and you will have a son, and no razor should come up on his head because he will be a nausea to God, this youth, from the stomach, 
from conception, and he will begin to save Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Okay, so the, the angel has told her a number of things here, which we should focus on. The first thing he tells her is, you are barren and you have not given birth. And that is like, what? what isn't that obvious that she's barren and hasn't given birth? And why is he telling her that? So the Chazals say that there was sort of a running issue between Manoach and his wife. And, you know, unfortunately, the sister today, today we have like labs and tests and, you know, Mahompua and whatever it is, and you could figure out all of fertility issues, Shaloneda, very, very difficult uh, sugya. But in those times, you didn't know like what it was. So Manoach and his wife, apparently, according to the Medrash, weren't sure whose fault it is. She says it's his fault, and he says it's her fault. So the angel says, oh, by the way, it's your fault. You are the one who's barren. Manoah with another woman could have a child. So this is information number one. Information number two, you are going to conceive and you will have a son. And you will have to watch your diet all the time that you are pregnant because right, you cannot have any wine or any products of the grape, and you can't have anything unclean because you will be pregnant and he will be a Nazir. The child will be a Nazir and his Nazir status begins from the stomach. And he will begin to save Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So if we talk about our life lessons, we start off by saying, when we talked about the idea of a Nazir, that we have such a concept of seeing things that are uh, hurtful to us, that are bad for us. And we should try to avoid seeing bad things. And um, and if that happens, if, if that does happen, that we should try to take extra measures to protect ourselves in the future. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two, and I think it's very uh, interesting here, is that what the mother does while the child is in utero has an effect on the child, which is sort of a modern concept. But you see here that the 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 angel is saying to her, you know, what you eat matters to this child. You cannot have any, while you're pregnant with this nazir-to-be, right, you can, you have to keep the laws of nazir yourself, which is very interesting. And another lesson to, um, you know, the, the connection between the child in utero and the mother. And then he says to her, a razor will not come on his head because he will be a Nazir from the stomach and he will begin to save Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Okay, so he is being, uh, she's being told here, what is the job of this child? What is the function of this child? What is the, beyond the fact that his Nazir is, he is going to be the one who will begin to save Israel from the Philistines. And we, we have to, Point to this word, Yachel. He will begin to save Israel from the Philistines. The Philistines were a very bitter enemy of the Jewish people for 100 years. And they don't really uh, get pushed back completely until the time of David and Elk. So it's a 100 years war. And Shimshon is really beginning it. Back in chapter 3, if you remember, we had a man named Shamgar at the end of chapter 3 who killed 600 Philistines with an ox goat. And that's very nice. You know, we have these very bitter enemies. But here we see that the leadership 
and the mission of Shimshon is not going to be to vanquish them, but just to begin the salvation. Now, we have a little bit of a problem with these psukim, which I don't want to ignore. In Pasuk Gimel, it says, Viharit, <laughs> which is clearly future, and you will become pregnant and you will have a son. In Pasuk he says, Kihi Nahara, you are pregnant. Okay? And that is a problem. What do we do with that? <clears throat> so, if you want to say that between Pasuk uh, Gimel and Pasuk Hay, she actually conceives, that's a very difficult problem because she's standing in the field. So I want to show you what um, what our sages have said about this, which is very interesting. So let's look here first. Okay, we have a very similar language with Hagar, right? Pasikir Aleph, this isn't from Parshish Lechacha. Bayom Lamalach Hashem, Hinachara, Beoladit Bain. And the angel of God says to her, Behold, you will conceive and you will have a child, and you will call him Yishmael. And Rashi says, Kishetashuvi Tahari. When you go back, you will become pregnant. Kimo, Hinachara to Eshes Manoah. Similarly, that we have. The, what it says by Hashem, this is me, is a future form. Rashi is saying this is a future form, and the Malach is saying something that's going to happen in the future. Hinachara, the same language. Now I want to show you a very interesting side note. Okay, okay, this is the Gemara of Basra, Daf ninety one A, and there's a very interesting little comment here, right? We have the names of a lot of characters that we don't know. The name of David's mother, Nitzavit Bat Adel, the name. And now here we have this. Shma Ime the Shimshon Sloponit. The mother of Shimshon. Now here's one of these stories where we do not get the name of this woman. She's like the central character. And she's just Asia's Manoah. I call her Mrs. Manoah for convenience. Atel Plonit is kind of a tough name. But if you look at the way the name is built, it means pony to face sail. She faced the shadow, right? She saw an angel, right? And he had a sister named Nashian. Who knew? Who knew that Shimshon had a sister? And the Gemara asked the question, like, uh, who cares? <laughs> Why do we care what his sister's name was? And the answer is the Shuba Samina. We have to answer the heretical people. Now, I want to show you this. It's very interesting. First of all, let me show you the Divrei Yamin here. In Divrei Yamin, you see that she is mentioned among the descendants of Yehuda. Okay, the Mene Yehuda, this is uh, Divrei Yamin Aleph, Perik um, Dalit, Mene Yehuda, Peretz, Chetzer, and Karmi, Chura, Shobal, and the people, the, the Yichas here, the, the descendants of Yehuda. Gimel, the Ela Avi. So this is Shimshon's mother. She is from the tribe of Yehuda. And Manoah is from the tribe of Dan. We actually mentioned that Ifsan, the previous judge who was Boaz, made sure that we should have intermarriage between the tribes. And this is an example of it. So she is from Yehuda, Hatzloponi. And he is from Dan. Now, Emma Siakov of Yaakov has a very, very important 
comment on this Gemara and this whole story. And <clears throat> I'll give you a loose translation. It's very interesting. Right? <clears throat> this is the uh, explanation of Rashi. This is his language. This is He's uh, referencing Parshas Lechlecha, the story of Hagar. You will become pregnant. When you return, you will become pregnant. It's future. Just as it said with the wife of Manoah. And as it says with the wife of Manoah, we must say that this is future, right? Because he says, you are barren, you haven't had children. This is going back to verse three. And you will conceive and you will have a son. And that means to say, right, that she's not pregnant there. And after when the Pusik, hey, he says, and now be careful because you be hinahara, and we must conclude, right? It sounds like she's already pregnant, Lafika, this is Rabiako. Therefore, we must conclude that the matter of the way the, the Moloch speaks is he can speak in present tense, even though he intends for the future. And apparently, the heretical people, and he's talking here, the Minim, right? This is the Christians. They claim that when we said to them, what are you talking about? That she, of course, is referring to Jesus' mother. Jesus' mother conceived by the Holy Spirit. And they said, well, it happened to Shimshon's mother. She became pregnant when the angel talk, talked to her, right? And, and therefore, she was, uh, therefore, in these things, right, he was, uh, uh, their interpretation of the story of Shimshon, in other words, the Christians, is that Shimshon was like Jesus, and he was a an immaculate conception, so to speak. And therefore, we understand the Gemara and Baba Basra that I just showed you, telling us the name of his mother and his sister, why is it, why Nafkamina, why do we care? Because we have to answer the the minim, we have to say to the Christians, right? <clears throat> right, I'm skipping a little bit here. The intention of the Gemara is that we have an answer for these Christians, right? That we are proving to them that it was a natural birth, right? And he also had a sister. Why should we know the name of the sister, right? <clears throat> because we want to understand that it was a it was a regular pregnancy and birth. Okay, let me just clarify this. the The language of our psukim is very problematic because in pasuk yimul it's future and you will become pregnant, and pasuk hey it's you. It seems to be present in Nahara, like Hagar, and Rav Yaakov is saying that. This is the answer to the meaning that we talked about in the Gemara. The Gemara is saying, you want you to know he had a mother, this was her name. He had a sister, and this is her name. He was actually a human being. He wasn't a, a God. And that it's not a Jesus kind of situation. They Whatever they say, this is not the way it worked. And therefore, what we have to understand is that the angel here is speaking in Present tense, but his intention is future. You will become pregnant. And the same thing is true with Hagar. I hope that this is clear. Clear? Give me a sign. Yeah? You got this? Okay. So we're not talking about Jesus. Okay. Now let's go on. Pasuk Bob. 
ותבוא האישה ותאמר לאישה, לאמור, איש אלוקים בא אליי, ומראהו כמראה מלאך אלוקים נורא מאוד, ולא שאלתיו אי מזהו, ואת שמו לא יגיד לי. הפסק בלב is very interesting because you see that the wife of Manoah tells her husband that she saw a man of God. She does not know that she's speaking to an angel. She says his appearance was like an angel. Truly awesome. No Ramaod, I really, the word awesome has been so trivialized in modern language, but it's awesome. You see an angel, right? You see a man of God. There was something about this encounter that she instinctively knew this was a godly person. And she, she says he looked like an angel without actually knowing that he actually is an angel, because that's what it says at the beginning of the story, that he's actually an angel, right? And Mitsuda says, she thought he's a prophet. And I didn't ask him where he's from, and his name he didn't tell me. So that sounds like she actually asked him. Right? What's your name? He doesn't tell her his name. He doesn't tell her where he's from. Very mysterious. And this is what she tells Manoach. Now let's take a look at Manoach. Okay? Manoach is her husband. Right? And he's just going about his business. And along comes his wife. And she says, I saw a tremendously holy man today. And I have no idea where he's from and who he is. Right? Pasuk Zayin. And she said, he said to me, I will become pregnant. I will have a son. And now do not drink wine and aged drink, aged wine, and don't eat anything unclean because this youth will be a Nazir of God from the beten from uh, the uterus, let's say, from the womb until the day of his death. So now we have to look very carefully at this interchange, okay? Go back to what the angel tells her. What does she omit? He says to her, And she says to her husband, I will become pregnant. What has she skipped? This relevant information that she is actually the one who is the barren one. She does not mention that to Manoah. I think we can all understand why. If they have a running disagreement, right, and Manoah thinks it's her fault and she thinks it's his fault, she's not going to tell him that the angel has confirmed that, yes, it is her fault. It's very interesting. And by the way, the, the Chazal say his name was Manoach, which means a person who is peaceful because he had a divine uh, intuition, a divine spirit telling him that it's not his fault, which is interesting to me because actually I don't think that fertility issues are anyone's fault. But there does seem to be a bit of tension between these two people. And I really want to talk about that because... One of the ways I see this chapter is that it's a it, it's anatomy of a marriage. It's a it really, really anatomy of a marriage. If you look at this carefully, how we how these two people interact and how the angel is part of it, it's it's actually very interesting. There are other things that she doesn't tell him. Okay, what what crucial point? Right, she talks about 
the fact that he, she can't eat anything uh, from the grapes, right? And that's okay. And then she tells him, right? She tells him he will be a nazir from the Beten. And what does the angel say there? He will begin to save Israel from the Philistines. And what does she tell her husband? He'll be a nazir from the Beten till the day of his death. So we have another couple of discrepancies here. Do you see them? Okay. Things she does not tell him. She does not tell him that he will begin to save Israel from the Philistines. That is a very important part of this story. That's the whole point of this miracle birth of this tremendously wonderfully talented and great baby who will be the Shimshon Agibar. He doesn't say this to, to Manoah. And she also says to him, he will be a Nazir from Beten. Did you notice this? Adyom Moto. Did the angel say that? The angel said, Beten. We didn't talk about his death. Why not? What happens to Shimshon's Nazirus before he dies? Yeah, he gets an unauthorized haircut. So he is not a Nazir until the day of his death. So she assumes that, that he will be a Nazir until the day of his death, but that actually doesn't happen. It's not what the angel said. So we have to ask ourselves, that that's actually seems to be a mistaken uh, impression that she had. But over here, we see this interesting stuff here. Why did she leave out that he will begin to save Israel from the Philistines? So there's a number of theories here. And there's a number that we should really talk about this for a minute. Okay. First of all, the Philistines are running the place right now. Okay. And let's say they find out about this baby or that she's pregnant with this baby who is going to be a savior. What does Paro do when he hears that Moshe Rabbeinu, right, uh, is supposed to be born? Like he says, kill all the boys. This is very dangerous information, and she doesn't want it to get out to the Philistines. So that's one answer. Another answer is, what does she actually tell him? She says, I, I have to be careful with what I eat because he's going to be a nazir from birth. Now, if she is a good wife, right, and she tells her husband, I am the one who has to be careful of what she eats, how is she protecting Manoach? She's saying, right, she, we can easily understand that Manoach, and you're going to see in Pasachet, that Manoach is very disturbed by this story, and he wants to know, why didn't this angel come to me? And she gives him the only information that turns to her. Well, he doesn't want to speak to you because I am the one who has to watch what I eat. And she skips the information about the child's function, which is pertinent to Manoach as well, perhaps also because she's protecting Manoach. She doesn't want him to feel bad. So we look at the ins and outs of it. She's protecting herself by not telling him that she's a Nakara. And she's protecting him by only telling him, oh, yes, it's very pertinent to me, but not so much to you. But Manoach is not appeased. 
פסק ח', ויצא מנוח להשם היום מביע השם. איש אלוקים אשר שלחתי יבוא נאור אלינו, ויאמרנו מה נעשה לנער היולד. ומנוח ביצהר, זה סיים לנגוויץ' יוז ביצהר, כזה, כמן סטאבני, הוא אומר, פליז השם, פליז, send this man of God back, and tell us what do we do with this child. Because clearly, that's the information that he wants. How do I raise such a miracle child? And what is he going to be doing? And that's the information that she withheld from him. So now he says, I, I need to speak to this man. I don't know what to do with this. What, what's the point of it? And the fascinating answer is, Pasuk Tet, I love it. It's hilarious. Hashem says, oh, I listened to Manoach. And the angel comes back to her. And she's sitting in the field. And Manoach, her husband, is now with her. So Hashem is answering Manoach's tefillah and sending the Malach back to her. So how can Manoach feel about that? What's HaKadosh Baruch Hu doing here? How does this work? Right? Now, if the angel of God appears to her not once, but twice, and the second time that the answer to his prayer What must Manoach be starting to think about Hatzalponit, his wife? This is certainly, there's no question in my mind that this elevates her tremendously in her husband's eyes. Up until now, he's saying, well, there's my wife. She's a barren woman, but she doesn't want to admit it. And what can you do? And now all of a sudden, this barren woman is going to have a child. And she doesn't tell them that she's the barren one. She's going to have a child. And the child's going to be a great person, nausea. And she has to watch what she eats. And the, uh, the, the, um, the man of God comes to her twice. So clearly, a Baruch Hu is giving him a message. Your wife is a great person. And up until now, we might suspect that he did not have that much respect for her. And she, Pasek Yud, And she hurries and she runs and she tells him, and she says to him, behold, the man that came to me before he appeared now. And you can imagine that why is she hurrying? Why is she running? Because she is a good wife. She's a good wife and she feels Bad, that Manoah wanted so badly to see, to speak to this Navi, that they think it's a Navi, and he comes back to her. So she wants to make sure that Manoah is part of the next discussion. So she runs to tell him. I think it's really, really a very interesting interplay. And the angel coming to her and showing her greatness, and she wanting so carefully to protect her husband. I think there's a very beautiful lesson here in how um in how we, we work on Shalom Bayes. Pasak Yudala, Fayaka Bayelh Manoha Hareishto, Bayavo Ela Ishvayomelo, Haata Isha Shadibaita Alisha, Bayoma Ani. So Manoah gets up and goes after his wife and he comes to the man and he says, Are you the man that spoke to the woman? And he says, Yes I am. Now 
the Chazal have a problem with this pasuk because it says Manoach went after his wife, and they say, well, he shouldn't have done that because going after his wife is not, uh, you know, he shouldn't have. Here, what does he say here? Looks about it. I'm trying to find it like that. Okay, it's not like that. We're running out of time, so I'm going to. I'm really not finding this. Okay, but it's a Chazal talk about him going after his wife. Rashi says after her thing, right? After her um, counsel. And Matsuda says because she knew where he was. But um, I'm not I'm not finding the Chazal that I wanted to show you. The Chazal say that he was ignorant and he shouldn't have followed her. And you see that he he doesn't know a lot. But it seems clear that she wants to protect him. She wants to tell him. And he goes after her because she's the one who knows who the man is? Like he could be anybody, and she's the she knows where he is, as Matsuda says. And he says, "Are you the man?" And you can see that there's a certain uh, discomfort that Manoah has with this whole scenario of this man talking to his wife. And once he sees him, then he feels more comfortable. Plus, a good bed. Okay, now now I see, I see you. I understand, right? I didn't really believe it, but but now I believe it. You came back after I diamond, and now I see that this is a uh, prophecy that's going to happen. And now let's cut to the chase. The nitty gritty. What's going to be the way this youth is going to uh, grow, and what's his deeds? What do we do with this guy? And again, this is some information that Mrs. Manoah withheld. Right? And the Malach said to Manoach, everything that I told the woman she has to be careful about. And he reiterates what she told him, that she has to be careful not to have any product of the grape and not to have any wine, and not to have anything impure, uh, uh, forbidden for a nazir. She has to be careful of all these things. And what does he not tell Manoah? Exactly what Manoah wants to know. He does, he, and this is a tremendous lesson for us. If she is not telling him, Hashem is not telling him either, right? This is because she doesn't want him to know, because she's afraid this information will get out, or because she doesn't want him to feel that he was left out, whatever the reasons are that she withholds this information, the angel also withholds the information. But now you can imagine how frustrated Manoah is. Finally get the guy, and I have him here, and he won't tell me what I want to know, which is, what do I do? How does this work? How do I deal with this? Right? You know what? He says, come for supper. Let's hold you back. Come sit down. I'll make you some meat. I get to ease him. 
this is a classic because why does he want him to stay, right? Maybe, maybe if I get him sitting and talking, he'll tell me what I want to know. But again, we have, we can always take our lessons from this. Feed your guests, ladies, feed your guests. <laughs> Don't let them sit in the field hungry. My mother used to say, gazipman, gipman, a crankman, frankman, which means a healthy person you give them and a sick person you could ask them. In other words, sometimes a person is embarrassed. You say, would you like a drink? No, 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 no. But if you put it down, they'll drink it. Uh, do you want a, a piece of cake? No, 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 no. If you put it down, they'll eat it. So my mother used to say, just put out the food. If they don't want it, they don't have to eat it. Unless they're sick, God forbid. So Manoah is being a good Jew and he's bringing him in. Pasuk Zion, Right? <clears throat> And the Malach says to him, if you hold me back, I'm not going to eat your lechem, your bread, which he means any food. What is the angel hinting at here? I don't need to eat. I'm an angel. I used to laugh at my kids and they'd say, I'm not hungry. I said, you're not an angel. You have to eat. Angels don't eat. But Manoah is not picking up on these hints in Pasuket But if you want to make a carbon, you can raise up a carbon to God. And the P.S. from the Pasuk. This is a very interesting P.S. Manoah didn't know that he's speaking to an angel of God. What's not stated in that P.S.? What does she know? What does Mrs. Manoah know or not know? Back at the very beginning, when she tells her husband, she says, his, it was a man of God and his, his appearance was like the appearance of an angel of God. Totally awesome. So back in Pasuk Vav, when she first tells him over, she already had an intuition that this is an angel. And now the angel's dropping hints, right? Pasuk says, I, you know, I'm not going to eat your food. She hears it. Manoah hears it, but Manoah doesn't get it. And if you want to bring a carbon, okay, bring a carbon for God. Don't, none of this other stuff. What is your name? Because if your words come true, when they come true, we will give you honor. If we know your name, we will invite you to the bris. We'll make you sandik. We'll give you honor. Why do you ask my name? My name is Peli. Okay, Peli, the first we explain is covered, but it's something also hidden, mysterious. It's not to be known. And we connect Pella with wonder. And here's another hint. I don't even know my own name because the Chazal say, Rashi says here, Tamiru Every angel's name is based on their mission. And every time they have a different mission, they have a different name. I can't tell you my name. It's hidden. It's mysterious. It's a wonder. So here's another very heavy hint that he's not a human being. And Manoah still doesn't understand that. It's interesting that some of them first should point out that he says, I will honor you when your words come true. 
right? And they point out that Abram Avinu honored the Arabs that came to him, no matter what happened, he gave them honor. Manoah's honor is conditional. I want to happen, so I'll give you honor. But the angel isn't having any. He says, no, I'm not answering these questions, sir. Right? Okay. So let's go on. Manoach takes this goat and the gift of the, um, uh, you know, Mincha was usually a meal offering, and he puts it on a tzur, on a rock. This is going to be their altar, right? And he is maflila, so in other words, the angel is doing wonders, and Manoach and his wife are watching, okay? Mitzuras is saying, Malach The wonder is that fire comes out of this rock all of a sudden. Okay, and this is very reminiscent of the story of Gidon. If you remember, when Gidon also has an encounter with an angel and he brings out food and the angel pours the soup out and the meat of the masi puts on the rock and then he touches his staff to the rock and a fire comes out. Maflila sot. Okay. I just wanted to mention here that this expression we say every day in an Asha Yatsar bracha. He did wondrously, and it's so interesting to say that on it's something that we do as simple as going to the bathroom is so not simple. Everything that works in our body is a miracle. And that's why we acknowledge it. Mafila, so it's an amazing miracle that our bodies work. Pasakhaf. Bayhib alotala and it was when the flame came up from this altar to the heavens, the angel of God went up in the fire of the altar, and Manoch and his wife are watching, and they fall on their faces to the ground. Okay, we, we jaded <laughs> members of 2023. You know, people disappearing in puffs of smoke. We've seen it on TV many times. But you have to understand, they never saw such a thing. They're standing there talking to what they think is a person. He puts fire coming out of a rock, and then he goes up. He disappears in a puff of smoke. And they are uh, stunned, and they fall on their faces. And the angel did never appear to them again. And then Manoach knew that it was an angel of God. So this is actually very strange because there doesn't seem to be any connection between the beginning of Pasuk Havalop and the end of Pasuk Havalop because the angel never appeared again and then he knew that it was a Malach. It seems as if that this is just a placement of the Pasuk. That was, uh, it seems that the we're ending the discussion of the Malach and then we're going back to Manoach and his wife. In other words, the angel disappeared and never appeared again, full stop, right? But it was after this disappearance, not necessarily, not the fact that he doesn't see him again, but the fact that he disappeared in a puff of smoke, then Manoach knew that it was an angel of God. So again, the Pasuk makes a statement. Then Manoach knew that it was an angel of God. I'm sorry. Okay, then Manoach knew there was an angel of God, right? And we had before 
that when the angel said, right, I, I, uh, I'm not going to eat your food, Manoah didn't know it was Malach Hashem. And there's clear that we don't talk about her. She is already feeling it back in Pasuk Bab. And now it says clearly, then Manoah knew she knew before. And the Chazal say she was greater than he was. She was greater in, um, in wisdom and in connection to a Kaddish Baruch And you see here, right, again, going back to this very, very um, amazing, what I call the anatomy of a marriage, right? She is elevated by the angel, by the interactions, by the fact that the angel comes to her twice. She is very much elevated in his eyes, right? And she is so careful of his kavod. We learn a lot from this couple and how they deal with each other and how they learn to respect each other. And also it's an important lesson that I want to make that we can also help people with their shalom bias by not meddling, by not telling them things that they don't want each other to know, even if it's a very minor thing, by staying respectful, by praising one spouse to the other, and this is a very, very great mitzvah to increase peace between couples. Okay, so Manoah is totally devastated. And we saw this with Gidon. We saw this with Yaakov. Yaakov, when he meets the angel, he says, I um, my soul was saved. We have a principle, and I mentioned in the story of Gidon, that seeing God as, uh, or a manifestation of God as an angel is not a good sign. It's not a good sign because that means uh, we don't really want to see angels because that's a bad sign, right? So Yaakov is amazed that he stays alive. Gidon is afraid he'll die. Manoach says, We're going to die because we saw God or a manifestation of God. And Mrs. Manoah is more practical and she has a few comments. If God wanted to kill us, that's one. He took a carbon from us. Number two, we saw this miracle. Number three, he told us this news. How could God tell us you're going to have a child who's going to be a Nazar, right? And, and, and then kill us. What would be the point? So she, of course, is quite right, very practical and very wise. And we see that she gets the last word here in this story. She says, no, no, it's okay. This is all going to be okay. And the woman gave birth to a son and she called him Shimshon. And the youth grew up and God blessed him. And the, the name Shimshon, it seems to be from Shemesh, right? God is a sun and a shield for us. And God blesses this boy. And the spirit of God began to beat within him between the, in the camp of Dan, between Sarah and Eshtaol. So we get to meet Shimshon is born, and we find out that he is blessed by God. He is experiencing the spirit of God, and he is a very, very great person. And blessings of God, miraculous birth, a, a heralded by an angel, 
and the tremendous things that we expect from him, a tremendous destiny. And we're going to find out that he has this tremendous power, which we haven't uh, seen yet. And it's uh, it comes from, because I'll say the bracha of um, Yaakov. Yaakov says, right? The blessing of Don, he will be this, uh, this, this snake in the path. We'll talk more about this next week. But this word is a very interesting word, like a pa'amon. It rang within him. The spirit of God is ringing within him. But it's also from Pa, Rashi says, it came, came and went. Mitsuda says this was a spirit of brave, bravery, courage, and um, it, it began to appear great deeds and great wonders. <clears throat> so this, this great um, person we see that's coming up in the, in the next few chapters, we'll find out. He has tremendous, tremendous potential, tremendous, tremendous strength. And we're going to see that he also has tremendous weakness, tremendous weakness. The tremendous strength comes with tremendous weakness. And um, that's another lesson for us, right? A person can have so many gifts and so many great potentials, but really it's our choices and our actions that define who we are. And Shimshon does great things, but unfortunately, um, there's also issues there. Okay, I think we're going to stop here. We'll stop this there. Mommy, can I just ask a question? Of course, that's what we're going to do now. I was just going to say, are there any questions? There is a question. Um, so normally, I mean, you would think that they don't mention someone's name because they are maybe less worthy than the other person. But I think, and I might be wrong, it seems to me that Manoach's wife was on a higher level spiritually here. Um, however way she wanted to protect her husband, I mean, the Malach Hashem keeps reappearing to her and she hops right away that it's a Malach. And he, even after things are pretty obvious, still doesn't get it. And yet his name is mentioned and her name is not. So I think that's very interesting. And I'm wondering why. It's interesting. It's interesting. And I, I think that I thought about it a lot, you know, I actually think that she is a very modest person. I think it kind of reflects that. That's how, that's how I always understood it because I don't, otherwise I don't understand it because we have so many great women who we have their names, but she, she tries to make herself, you know, less here a little bit in order to give him you know, she, she's concerned that he's feeling bad that he didn't, and she's making herself a little bit, she's pulling herself down a little bit so that he can still be, you know, the great one, even though it's clear and the Chazal talk about it, that she's clearly greater than him in, in Nevoa. She's and humble wisdom. and yet does not, does not tell him that it's her issue, her physical issue. So <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. I feel like her her um, personality is a lot more sophisticated than just uh, an average person, and I just it's interesting because yeah. you know, he's from Yehuda. Yehuda is is traditionally a tribe of leadership, and he's from Don, 
Don, uh, you know, historically, we've had a lot of problems with Don. You know, they've been, uh, you know, the, the center of uh, idol worship coming up, coming up here in the story in chapter 18 and then in, in, in Sefer Malachim, the, the, the Northern Kingdom sets up their idol worship in the place of Don. So it's a kind of interesting mix here. This couple. Maybe he was really good looking. <laughs> That's why she married him. Just kidding. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's clearly a very great person because he has Ruach HaKodesh, right? Okay. And he's, he's, he's answered right away, well, not exactly the way he wanted, right? He's the father of this great figure. So he's a great person, but she seems to be greater. But she's not interested in pushing herself forward. That's how I see it. But the, he the had two, Ruach HaKodesh had, and didn't know. Other, we have, it's, it, that's what the Medrash says, that he had Ruach HaKodesh and he knew. That was, he was called Manoah, because he knew that it was it was uh, her issue. But we have other great women, really great women, like the Shunamit, right? Who Who is a... Uh, a big tzaddikus who constantly hosts Elisha, and then there's the whole story there. And um, the Shunamit, we never get her name at all. She's just called Isha Gedola, the great woman from Shunam. So it, it's interesting. There are there are a number of women who don't get names, and like, and it's very very interesting. There's the daughter of Yifta. She doesn't get a name. So I think each case is a little bit slightly different. I think the daughter of Yiftach is just, she's just sort of a victim. So we don't get too much information about her. But the Shunamit and the wife of Manoah are great people. And, and, then, and the Tzarfit with Eliyahu. The woman of Tzarfat, the widow of Tzarfat. Yeah. It's just, um, she's also a very big Tzadikus and she feeds Eliyahu. So why is that? You know, we do okay. have men who don't have names also, but. There's something like where we see in, in, in this parak, where she's a key player and we don't have her name. It's interesting. Interesting. It's a good question, but there's not, nobody really talks about it. I just developed my own theory that she is actually uh, a modest person and she's not really, but we do have her, her name. Her name is Hetzel Pony. She faced an angel. She faced a shadow. Yeah. Olivia, did you want to say something? Or you're on mute, so if you do, got to unmute. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, so this is probably discussed a lot, and you can't answer this for it's going to probably take too long. But why are so many of the the women in Tanakh barren, or have so fertility? actually actually that it, there is a discussion of that in the Medrash and the Gemara. And yeah, I'm sure. it seems that God wants the prayers of these women. It's all about prayer. It's very, very interesting, okay. right? That these are great people and their prayers elevate them to this level. And they don't, these, these women are not just, you know, uh, women, the women who are barren and have children. Are, these are great sedekuses. And I just mm -hmm. was hearing someone who gave a list of the barren women and it was Sarah, Rivka, Rachel. It also mentions Leah, which is very interesting that naturally she wouldn't, she would have had problems. And then Hannah and Mrs. Manoach and Sion. 
the personification of Tzion is a barren woman. Uh, that's just like a very interesting addition to this story. Manyen. So the, the, the Medrash says that God wants the tefillot. God wants the prayers of these women. And that elevates them and that elevates the child that they have. And that's, that's all about prayer. I actually heard something once. I think that Rev Huttner said this, that um, let me just get it right. Um, it's not that prayer gets us out of trouble. It's that trouble gets us into prayer. Which I, I'm pretty sure that was Rapunzel. Which I like that very much. In other words, the reason that we have tsaras is because God wants us to connect with Him. That's that's really the answer. So that's really that's why these women suffer childlessness because God wants to connect with them. He wants them to pray to Him. And um, that's 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 a theory in the Medrash. It's obviously a lot more complicated than that. Not a simple story, but that's that's one of the answer 